0: It's time for the latest local, regional, and national sports topics of the day. It's the Sports Fan, presented by J&K Contracting. Ready? Now, from the WATH studios, here's Ross Christ. What's happening? Ohio. Happy Monday out there to all of our listeners this is the sports fan presented by jnk contracting got a full hour show with you tonight where are we going to jump into well the Columbus blue jackets made a big splash in free agency going out and getting johnny gaudreau and we're going to be joined by the voice of the blue jackets on radio mr dylan tire who's going to be looking at all things blue jackets and we're going to look back at Cam Smith's big win out there in St. Andrews across the pond. What does it mean for him? What does it mean for golf? And will Cam be jumping ship over to the Live Tour? My gut says yes. And then finally, we have Athens County Game of the Week. The schedule is out, and our man Carl Blaylock is all over it to tell you the key matchups, along with sports fan trivia and our surefire hot picks of the evening. This is the Sports Fan. Now a man I've missed the last two days in his studio. He's been up in Michigan playing golf, seeing family, Mr. Carl Blaylock is back here in the WATH studios. Carl, how you been, my friend? Not bad. I didn't I
1: didn't get to play any golf. We had a oh. practical joke. Uh great aunt passed away, uh she was ninety-eight. And she she was known for her practical jokes. She lived in an assisted living home like the last seven years of her life, and she had this bag of peanuts with the snake, and you know, you open it and Her poor, the poor nurses who had to take care of her every single time. Every single time there was a new one, she gave them the can of peanuts. Wop. And so she was a bit of a practical joker. And we joked that uh, this was her last uh, joke here because we looked on Saturday night uh, before the golf outing was planned on Sunday morning. Saturday night, 85% chance of rain. No chance we're going to get it in. We cancel it. Wake up the next morning. We check the radar. There's a few little blips up by where we're golfing. All the rain's down south, down by like Columbus. Not nothing up by Coldwater. So it's <laughs> what it is. One last practical joke by Great Aunt Jane, I suppose.
0: She played one more on you. Let's get to our sports fan trivia before we get to our first guest. With 547 career points, this man holds the record for most career points in a blue jackets uniform. Who is it? Phone lines are open. 740. 740- at 740-592-6646 and this is a good segue to our first guest you've heard him here on 97.1 WATH for the Blue Jackets live broadcast Mr. Dylan Tire joins us now voice of the Jackets Dylan are you still in shock that the Jackets landed Johnny Hockey
2: well first and foremost thanks very much for having me guys I wouldn't say that I'm in shock anymore uh, I don't know if I was ever in shock because I always believed that the Blue Jackets could land this caliber of a player. It was just a matter of time. Uh, but I'm definitely excited. It is really setting in now that we start the new week. You know, the Blue Jackets, towards the end of last week, they, say they signed Johnny Gaudreau to that seven-year contract uh, over $9.5 million a season. And, you know, it was unbelievable around the hockey world at that time. Uh, I-, I knew the Blue Jackets could do it. They have an excellent front office who, who can-, can make moves like that. But, yeah, it's really started to set in this week. I would say the excitement is still there, but the surprise and initial shock has definitely worn off a little bit.
1: I think the most surprising thing about the Gaudreau signing was the fact that he left more money on the table in New Jersey and Calgary as well to come to Columbus. I mean, obviously, how I don't think it can be understated how big of a thing this is that you have this big-name free agent choosing Columbus after we've seen in the last few years, we've seen several star players kind of, kind of want to force their way out artemi panarin and pierre luc dubois come to mind with that it's really cool for blue jackets fans to you know have a star wannabe in columbus
2: yeah it's really unique and you know this is one of the biggest free agent signings probably of all time in the nhl the biggest surprises at least definitely the biggest free agent signing in columbus blue jackets history but there are a lot of reasons why johnny gaudreau says that he wanted to come to columbus and you mentioned they're leaving money on the table particularly in calgary where he spent the first eight years of his nhl career and really butted into the superstar that he is now you know he left upwards of 17 million dollars on the table in calgary and that's a lot of money but i think a big thing for johnny gaudreau was proximity to home he's from uh, the philadelphia area on the new jersey side um, and, you know, you talk about why wouldn't he want to be a devil? I think he likes the, a little bit smaller of the market in Columbus, a little bit quieter. Uh, he talked with a lot of former Blue Jackets, current Blue Jackets, guys that have been here for a long time. And, you know, Johnny Gaudreau is about to start a family for the first time. His wife is due in September, I believe, with their first child. And players talk about that all the time. Columbus is an excellent city to, to set down roots and start a family. So there are a lot of reasons that factor in off the ice for why Johnny Gaudreau would want to be in Columbus. But really on the ice, you look at what the blue jackets are building and what general manager Yarmo Kekalainen has really built these past couple of seasons. And it's becoming a desirable location. There's there's a lot of talent in Columbus and a lot of young talent in particular that's a little bit cheaper and allows you to sign these, these bigger number players like Johnny Gaudreau, like I said, at, at over nine and a half million dollars a season. So it's a good deal all the way around. I mean, Johnny Gaudreau, I think he's going to, to quickly find that he's going to enjoy Columbus. A lot of guys, most of the guys, if not all the guys that play in Columbus say they love it here. You mentioned those guys that, that kind of forced their way out. I, I wouldn't necessarily say Artemi Panarin forced his way out of Columbus. I think it was very clear that he always wanted to be a New York Ranger. Um, he didn't come to Columbus by choice. He was, he was you know traded to the Blue Jackets from the Chicago Blackhawks where he picked to be as a free agent out of the KHL in Russia, um, so it's definitely his right to go where he wants to go. He gave the, the Blue Jackets two excellent seasons, in fact, the two best scoring season seasons in franchise history, so I don't fault him. Pierre-Luc Dubois is a little bit different of a story there. Nobody knows still why he left Columbus, but uh, certainly the focus now is on Johnny Gaudreau, and there are a lot of reasons and a lot of good reasons why he's here in this city, and you know, I'll say I love being in Columbus myself. I'm, in, I'm originally from southern california a place called manhattan beach which is a really terrific place to grow up right on the ocean it's beautiful but i love being in columbus so uh, the people that want to talk bad about columbus and, and that are surprised johnny gaudreau picked this area i think clearly have never been here before or spent considerable time in the city
1: yeah i, I would agree with that I, I columbus is a pretty pretty awesome city uh times i've been driven through and got some family there as well i mean it it's an awesome city and it, it's a lot, of thi- uh, a lot of the national media, they've been saying a lot, or maybe not quite the national media, but there's been quite a few places I've seen to where a lot of people are thinking that it's because of Tortorella leaving that suddenly Columbus is becoming this desirable market. Do you think there's any credibility to that at
2: all? No, that's absolutely not true. I mean, you know, some players I would say in the National Hockey League definitely are maybe scared initially of playing for John Tortorella because the reputation obviously precedes him. But if you ask anybody in this city, that span's really included, but if you ask players or other coaches, John Tortorella is a stand up human being. All of his all of his players know that. People love playing for John Tortorella. Just look at Cam Atkinson for example. Cam Atkinson is, you know, he used to be a star for the Columbus Blue Jackets. He was healthy scratch by John Tortorella before, you know, that's healthy scratching a guy who scored forty goals in the National Hockey League before. And he would be the first to say he loves John Tortorella. Now he's in Philadelphia. He was traded to Philadelphia by the Blue Jackets uh, last summer during the NHL draft. And he was a guy that advocated for John Tortorella to be hired as head coach by Philadelphia. You know, Chuck Fletcher, the GM for the Flyers, uh, hiring John Tortorella to be their new head coach last month. And and Cam Atkinson was a guy who was certainly leading the charge in that area And, and You know, really standing up for Tortorella and saying, this guy can change the culture here, and that's what Torch does. He changes the culture no matter where he goes. That's exactly what he did in Columbus. Remember, the Blue Jackets before John Tortorella had only made the playoffs once before. Under John Tortorella, they made the playoffs for four consecutive seasons, you know, had the most successful year in franchise history, went on the the second-longest winning streak in NHL uh, history in that 2016-17 season, and won their first-ever playoff series sweeping the top team in the National Hockey League that season, the Tampa Bay Lightning. So John Tortorella is absolutely loved in this city. And, no, I I, frankly, I think Torts at a location would make it more desirable in some cases. You know, he was a guy that that brought a lot of hockey cred to the city of Columbus. And, you know, the fact that, that Johnny Gaudreau is here now, you have to maybe think to yourself, if John Tortorella were never here in Columbus and didn't help to build this culture and build this foundation for this franchise where it is now, would Johnny Gaudreau be interested in coming in a place like this? But I think, you know, I, I, I definitely don't subscribe to the idea that John Tortorella leaving Columbus makes it any more desirable for players to come. Dylan, does Johnny Gaudreau
0: give the Blue Jackets a legitimate title uh, contender spot? I mean, can they really make a push in the Stanley Cup playoffs with him now that he's on the roster?
2: I wouldn't say he's going to do it alone. He definitely beefs things up a lot, but no player, no one player in the National Hockey League is going to win you a Stanley Cup. I mean, look at the Edmonton Oilers. They have arguably the two best players in the National Hockey League in Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl, and they haven't won a Stanley Cup yet. You know, they the farthest they've got in the playoffs was the conference final, which they made this past season. Uh, beyond that, though, they haven't done much in the postseason. It takes a full-team effort. And that's why I said earlier that I think Columbus is such a desirable location right now. You look up and down the lineup at the established NHL talent that's already here and the young talent that's that's budding here in Columbus. Remember, the Blue Jackets have had now five first-round picks and five high first-round picks each of the past two NHL drafts. Uh, last year, the Blue Jackets selected Ken Johnson fifth overall, Cole Sillinger 12th overall, Sylvester ended up being the only player from last season's draft to play the entire season in the National Hockey League at 18 years old, and he was terrific. The Blue Jackets see him as a huge part of of the future playing at that center ice position. Ken Johnson played his first 10 NHL games at the end of last season after finishing his sophomore year at the University of Michigan, and you know, scouts, when he was drafted, said this is a guy that could potentially lead the NHL in scoring someday, he modeled his game after Johnny Gaudreau coming up. Ken Johnson wore number 13 before Johnny Gaudreau came to Columbus because Johnny Gaudreau wore number 13 in Calgary. So you're going to have two guys like that, two dynamic playmakers in Kent Johnson and Johnny Gaudreau, and I haven't even mentioned Jake Voracek, who's a premier playmaker led the Blue Jackets in points and assists last season. That's a lot of playmaking talent right there. And when you, come, or when you talk about goal scoring, you have Patrick Rine, who's one of the premier goal scorers in the National Hockey League, you have Oliver Bjorkstrand, who led the Blue Jackets with 28 goals last season and could, uh, could potentially be a 30-goal scorer every year in the NHL. Uh, there's a lot to like. And then beyond that, the Blue Jackets have one of the top defensemen in the league, Zach Lorensky. He led uh, NHL defensemen in goal scoring just a couple of years ago with 20 goals. Then the Blue Jackets, in the first 12 picks of this year's NHL entry draft just two weeks ago in Montreal, select David Juracek, a massive right-shot defenseman who's got a booming shot. They pick him at sixth overall, and at tw- number 12 overall, they pick another defenseman in Denton Matechuk, Matechuk who's extremely dynamic, a rover, can play all situations, uh, and scouts uh, before the draft talked about Matechuk as a, as a defenseman, the way he plays that could potentially continue to revolutionize the way that the defense position is played in the National Hockey League. So there's a lot to like about the Columbus Blue Jackets. So that's a long way of answering your question there and saying, no, Johnny Gaudreau alone is not going to make the Blue Jackets a Stanley Cup contender. But when you add him to the equation here in Columbus, it makes things really, really exciting. Jarmo Kekalainen and company were trying to build a Stanley Cup contender before they got Johnny Gaudreau, and I think they were on an excellent path towards doing that. And now they have one of the top ten players in the National Hockey League. So now it certainly accelerates things, and I think the Blue Jackets will be ready to compete sooner rather than later. Uh, speaking
1: of Patrick Laine, he's still not under contract for the Blue Jackets uh, for next season. Do you think there's going to be any problems re-signing him uh, with any cap crunch or anything, or do you think they'll be able to sign, re-sign him pretty comfortably?
2: Well, it's it's kind of coming down to the wire on signing Patrick Laine. You know, I think he could have just elected arbitration. That, that happened this past weekend where NHL players could elect arbitration. Patrick Laine decided to... Uh, to reject arbitration, meaning that things are pretty amicable right now between his agent group and the Columbus Blue Jackets. I think that, that kind of leads you to believe that he and the Blue Jackets are nearing a deal. Now, with that being said, when the Blue Jackets sign Patrick Liney, it's going to have to be upwards of eight, $9 million a season. That's going to put the Blue Jackets over the salary cap, so they're going to have to clear some space here, uh, which could happen sooner rather than later. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Blue Jackets active on the trade market this week if they sign Patrick Line, trying to get some money off the books to make everything work salary cap-wise. Jarmo Kekalainen understood that that would be part of the situation in signing Johnny Gaudreau. His plan all along was to keep Patrick Line alongside Johnny Gaudreau. That's why you want to do it. You have a dynamic playmaker and one of the elite snipers in the National Hockey League. You want those two guys to play together, right? And to do that, you got to pay up a little bit because they are two of the premier players in the NHL. They are two NHL superstars. So he knew going into all this that he's gonna have to make some sacrifices and make some moves when it comes to clearing cap space so i expect the blue jackets to do that as long as they sign line dylan speaking
0: of getting paid 16 million dollars over four years for defenseman eric branson coming over from calgary a lot of people on twitter were saying maybe this guy got overpaid what do you think about this one
2: yeah, I don't necessarily agree with people saying that. Yeah, maybe the term and maybe the, the dollar amount there are a little bit intimidating and a little bit surprising. But if you look at the defense market this offseason, that was kind of a going rate for different guys. Ben Chirot, you know, he went to Detroit. He was uh, in Montreal to start this season. He was a deadline acquisition by the Florida Panthers. He did not have a good year whatsoever. Going into the deadline, will really... Uh, going into last season, people expected that he would be the top defenseman available at the deadline and did not have a good season. And he got paid more than Eric Branson to go up to Detroit. He's a new defenseman there. So, you know, that's that's kind of the example that I use. He's kind of a similar similar type to Eric Goodbranson, a bigger guy who plays a physical shutdown game. That's kind of the going rate, you know, $4 million or so. Uh, Eric Branson, though, is a player that the Blue Jackets could really use. This is a team that got pushed around a lot last season. And now you talk about even more young guys and smaller guys coming into the National Hockey League. You kind of need a guy to protect them. Not to mention the Blue Jackets allowed the most goals in franchise history last season. They scored a lot of goals last season. They were one of the top scoring teams in the NHL, but they also allowed too many goals last season. So the focus, get a little bit bigger on the back end, get a little bit bigger as a team with some more snarl, maybe a guy that can throw a punch or two, and also a guy who can lock down defensively. So that's what Good Branson is here to do for Columbus. And, you know, I mentioned the size and the youth of this team. Ken Johnson, he's a smaller guy. He's a young guy. Cole Sillinger can stand up for himself, but he's a younger guy. On the back end, the Blue Jackets have uh, Adam Boaklis. He's a younger guy and a smaller guy. Johnny Gaudreau, who is a teammate of Eric Goodbranson's in Calgary, he's a smaller guy. At some point, you need some guys that are going to be able to to stand up for his teammates, and really that's what the Blue Jackets are paying for alongside some good defense in Eric Goodbranson. Do you
1: think that the signing of Goodbranson kind of – helped seal the deal with the Goudreau deal, perhaps,
2: since they I were don't, teammates? I don't, I don't necessarily think that they had to do a whole lot with each other, but I also don't think it hurts. You know what I mean? Uh, Johnny Goudreau, I know, talked to Eric Goodbranson about some of the reasons he likes Columbus before you know, he finalized the deal with the Blue Jackets. Uh, I, I, like I said, I certainly don't think it hurts that a teammate like Eric Goodbranson is here. Um, and it's just a, a little bit of added familiarity for Johnny Gaudreau, but I think he said as much in his introductory press conference before last weekend that, you know, it wasn't a huge factor in him coming here, but it doesn't hurt.
0: Elsewhere around the league, what are some of the deals that you like so far?
2: You know, some teams did really, really good work. Look at the Ottawa Senators, and they really improved. They got Alex DeBrincat, who's one of the premier goal scorers in the National Hockey League, and and people don't really realize Alex DeBrincat penalty killed for the Chicago Blackhawks. He's a good defensive player as well. And they didn't have to give up a roster player or prospects for him. They just traded picks to the Chicago Blackhawks. So Ottawa gets an elite goal scorer in the National Hockey League, maybe one of the five best goal scorers in the world. Uh, in Alex DeBrincat, he's also young. They're going to have to pay him after this season, but he's young, and you know if the organization makes a good impression. They'll want to stay there. They also sign a veteran in Claude Giroux, who was the longtime captain of the Philadelphia Flyers with a deadline acquisition by the Florida Panthers at last year's trade deadline. He still has plenty to give in the National Hockey League. He's an Ottawa area guy, is Claude Giroux, and I think he could be a big difference maker in Ottawa. So I expect the Senators to be much improved. And you also look at uh, a team that I mentioned earlier in the Detroit Red Wings. They shored up A lot on the back end. They added a a few new forwards to their forward group. I really like what Steve Eiserman did. Andrew Kopp was a a huge acquisition by them. He's going to probably feature as their second line center. He's a Michigan guy. Grew up in Michigan, went to the University of Michigan, began his NHL career playing in Winnipeg with the Jets. Really flourished after he was acquired at the trade deadline this past season by New York. Uh, And he got a good deal for himself to be the number two center in Detroit. Uh, Long-term deal, five years, uh, over $5 million. So Steve Eiserman, the GM there in Detroit, he did some work, some under-the-radar moves, some bigger moves. They get David Perron uh, from St. Louis. David Perron, a veteran in the National Hockey League, but he seems to not slow down, scores 25 goals, puts up 60 points seemingly every season. I really like the moves uh, that the Red Wings pulled off here during free agency. They added some good pieces to uh, already what was an excellent young core so I'd expect them to make a little bit of noise next season. But those are my two favorites uh, outside of the Blue Jackets. I think, you know, based off of the Johnny Gaudreau deal in and of itself, the Blue Jackets won free agency. Uh, it's just the deal is just so good uh, every way you look at it for the Columbus Blue Jackets. But those other two teams that I mentioned there, I really like what they've done so far this offseason, uh, those teams being the Ottawa Senators and the uh, Detroit Red Wings. All right. So
1: and one last thing here. Uh, Ross, obviously Pittsburgh native, big Penguins fan. Where do you think you think the uh, Blue Jackets might overtake the Penguins this year in uh, the pecking order in the division? Well,
2: well, I certainly hope so because the Blue Jackets have had their struggles with the Pittsburgh Penguins for uh, for the for the last number of years. Forever, here. but you know, as long as as long as you've got Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, which they have, they they managed to keep that core intact this offseason which was pretty impressive. People weren't sure if they were going to be able to keep Chris Letang there. Well, they signed Chris Letang to a long-term deal. They weren't sure if they were going to keep Evgeny Malkin. It looked like Evgeny Malkin was going to test the free agent market for the first time in his career, and at the 11th hour he says, nope, I'm going to re-sign with the Penguins. You know, team-friendly if he's able to stay healthy. They're going to be, you know, they just acquired Jeff Petrie from Montreal as well. He's looking for a bounce-back season. The Penguins aren't going to make it easy, but sooner or later they're going to be overcome by the Blue Jackets. I think that's certain. You just have to look at the prospect bases of these two teams and the the trajectories of these two teams, but that's all due respect to Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin because, like I said, if you've got those two, you're going to be pretty tough to beat. But trajectory-wise, I think the Blue Jackets are going to get them sooner rather than later.
0: Well, Dylan, we appreciate you. Uh, you can get follow Dylan on social media at Dylan Tyre, T-Y-R-E-R, or you can listen to him for any of the Columbus Blue Jackets games here on 97.1 WATH. Dylan, we're going to catch up with you before the puck drops this season. We love having you on. Thank you very much.
2: Yeah, guys, thanks very much for having me. I appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your summers. Hockey is going to be right back uh, sooner than we realize.
0: Excellent stuff there from... Dylan Tyre, the CBJ radio host you listen to here, you listen to him here for every single home game and away game on 97.1 WATH. Let's get to our sports fan trivia question of the day. If you think you know this one, 740-592-6646. This man holds the most career points for the Columbus Blue Jackets. What is his name? Feel free to dial in 740-592-6646. All right, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, Carl and I are going to jump across the pond and up north to Scotland for St. Andrews as Camp Smith is the 150th winner of the British Open. Athens County cares about you. I'm Micah. Join me Tuesdays and Fridays at 10.06 on Classic Hits 970 AM and 971 FM, W A T H for discussions about essential information for seniors, such as nutrition, caregiving, mental health, Medicare, and all other relevant topics for seniors in Athens County and the surrounding areas. Athens County Cares, a project of United Seniors of Athens County, Tuesdays and Fridays at 10.06 a.m. on WATH. Hi, I'm Vivica Fox. For more than 100 years, American Humane has been rescuing animals during hurricanes, floods, and wildfires. But Mother Nature isn't the only danger animals face. Sometimes it's human nature. Every year, 6 million animals are abandoned and more than a million are euthanized. You can be a hero to animals in need of rescue and adoption at AmericanHumane.org.
2: Local teams, local opinions, The Sports Fan on 970 WATH.
0: Wow. That's some cool music. This is some sports bet. Whoever's putting this one in, (laughs) give the person a raise, Dave Palmer. Excellent little intro. You're listening to The Sports Fan presented by J&K Contracting. Good stuff there, Carl. Dylan Tyre. I mean, if you are a Blue Jackets fan, by just listening to him, you have to feel excited about the upcoming season.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I mean, for me, I I was honestly talking with my roommate about getting a quarter season package up there, and I don't think we're going to do that, but I'm definitely going up there for quite a few games this season because they're an exciting team to watch. I mean, they have the star power, especially if they re-sign Line A. I mean, it's it's going to be an exciting season for the Blue Jackets.
0: I would have to agree. It's hard for me to say that coming from Pittsburgh, but it looks like there could be a shift in the power in the NHL. Let's turn our attention now to golf, Carl. I know you didn't get to golf this weekend, but I was glued to the television watching a bit of golf because Aussie Cam Smith just put on a spectacle up there in St. Andrews in Scotland for the 150th British Open. But... I should say the open, but what he did out there, Carl, on the back nine to start out birdie, 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 birdie with his missile-seeking putter, that's the only way you can put it. This guy is the best putter I've ever seen in a major, what he did on that back nine.
1: It, it was incredible. I mean, uh, uh, obviously it was at that family reunion. That fam, my family up there, huge golfing fanatics. We're all sitting there huddled around the T too, watching it and it was incredible. I I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. I don't think I'll ever see anything like that. Again. It was an incredible performance. It just him putting. I mean I that was the difference. That was the huge difference in this uh open. Is the fact that Rory, I think, two putted almost every single hole and Smith did incredibly at just putting. I, I think the, thing, the, the shot that won him the major, I think, was on, I don't know if it was the 17th or the 18th. He went right. He went right and ended up in the, uh, he ended up in the, yeah, I think it was the road hole. He ended up right over on into the uh, brush. It wasn't quite the gorse, but he lucked out in the fact that the ball sat up. The ball didn't dive down into the, the really deep grass. It just kind of sat there propped up. But, I mean, that's still a rough shot to shoot. And he put it right up by the green, saved par. I mean, he was putting for birdie, and he left the birdie putt about, you know, two or three feet short. I mean, it it was incredible what he was doing. I mean, some of those putts he made, like, I think I I saw a stat during the uh, round that I think he was averaging his uh, average distance of putt made was like 50-something feet, which is incredible. I mean, and albeit a lot of that is because it was a little bit of an easier open conditions this year because for once it wasn't storming, it wasn't windy, it was calm weather for the open, which is not very common. But it, nonetheless, I mean, you just saw two of, I, I think that was the best duel we've seen in an open since Mickelson and Stenson's back in 2016. I mean, that, that one was incredible. Both of them shot 6-under uh, and 8-under, respectively, on that day. And, I mean, look at, I mean, we talk about McIlroy. McIlroy, I guess, shot a 70, but, I mean, look at the leaderboard on here. I mean, you had Smith, who shot 64. Young shot 65. Smith had two, 60, two rounds of 64. That's the first time that's ever happened at a major championship. I mean, what, they, what these guys did on St. Andrews is incredible.
0: We'll come back to Cam uh, Smith's big win in a minute, but let's look at the big loser here, and let's talk about Rory McIlroy. Because Rory McElroy has been so close for all four majors this year, and not only this year. You go back to when he won his majors. Ever since then, he's just been so close. This is the 17th time he's finished in the top ten of a major since 2015, the most by any player. He's finished in the top five nine times, including three of the four this season and you have to feel for this guy I mean the whole crowd there obviously they like Cam Smith they they like any winner over there but they were rooting hard for the Northern Irishman and you think you think every single time this happens at least I think when he gets so close and he hears the same exact comments from the gallery from the from the media from everyone in golf that he's gonna falter and he's gonna fall off, but he just comes back stronger, but not strong enough to win it. So I guess the next question for us debate, will Rory get another major? And we say that like it's easy, because most people that win a golf major, guess what? They only win one, the statistics. You only win one, and he's won a few, but he's been on the cusp. Do you think it's something mental when he gets to Sunday that he just doesn't have that killer instinct anymore. Yes, he didn't have any bogeys, all pars, all birdies, but still, he didn't have that Cam Smith digging for the lead, going for the birdies, making the hard shots. Do we see Rory McIlroy winning one more?
1: Absolutely, and and something I really didn't like uh, out of of some people I was seeing. They were talking about how this was a Rory choke job. This was not Rory choking. This was Cam Smith putting an absolutely an absolute clinic on how to putt at a Lynx course. I mean, like I said, my family, huge on golfing. I mean, I think like several members of that family have worked at golf courses before. They've been pros. They've been everything. And it, it, and they were sitting there stunned at some of the putts he was making and some of the putts that he was oh. putting close. I oh. mean, there were some. I mean, he putted around a bunker.
0: Uh, when did you see that? He putted around it, a bunker. It left it, Twelve inches from the green, left himself another tap in. I mean, exactly. That was that was an eagle putt, and then he left himself a tap in birdie. Uh, and just for, amazing.
1: Yeah, and for Rory though, I mean, I, I think he will eventually. I mean, we've seen a lot. We've seen a lot of different uh, big name golfers who where it seems like they're never going to win another major, and then suddenly they just win one out of the blue. Twenty nineteen Masters with Tiger, and even Phil and the twenty twenty one. Phil uh, Phil's a great PGA. example. Bill's I mean, a
0: great example.
1: Nobody expected him. To, you know, Everyone thought, you know, he's done. I, I, I would never count Rory out for winning because when you're this close this often to winning majors, it, it's going to happen at some point.
0: Let's hear from the man himself, Mr. Rory McIlroy, after his third-place finish at the Open. I felt like I, I didn't do much wrong today, but I didn't
3: do much right either. It was just one of those days where... I played a really controlled round of golf. I did what I, I I felt like I needed to just apart from capitalizing on the on the easier holes um around the turn uh, 9 12 14 you know if I had not made the birdies there you know from good positions um, it probably wouldn't been a different story. Um, but I get look I got beaten by um, by the better player this week, you know 20 under par for for four rounds of golf around here is is really really impressive playing, especially to go out and shoot 64 today to get it done. Um, yeah, you know I'll I'll, I'll rue a few uh, a few miss you know sort of putts that slid by, and but you know it's it's been a good week overall, and I can't be too despondent because of how this year's went and how this year's going. I mean I'm I'm playing some of the best golf that I've played in a long time, so it's just a matter of keep you know knocking on the door and. Eventually,
0: one will open. Knocking on the door, he's been doing that since 2015. 17 top 10 finishes in the majors. Elsewhere, Cam Smith, the Aussie, brought a bit of character to his press conference. He had a mullet.
1: I mean, oh. how can you root against the mullet? He, he looks a little bit like a John Daly, a little bit.
0: Well, let me tell you, and I, I will say I've been to Australia many times, and the mullet and mustache is very much alive. In Australia and in New Zealand that neck of the woods the mullet is very very fashionable and it's good to see Cam Smith rocking it very well after winning the 150th open I
4: feel like I can breathe uh you know this last uh four or five holes there uh aren't, aren't easy around here especially with that wind in you know off the left and um yeah just stuck to what I was doing and um yeah just really proud of how i how I kind of knuckled down today um, and yeah managed to manage to get it done I sometimes think that uh, being behind on certain golf courses and in, in certain situations is is maybe a good thing i I think um, it's very easy to get defensive out there and 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 keep you know hitting it to 60 70 feet and you can make pars all day but you're not going to make birdies and um yeah i I think it was a good thing that I was definitely behind. I think my mindset would have been a touch different coming in, especially on that back nine if if I was ahead um I think my shot into uh my second shot into thirteen uh was really when I thought that um yeah we can we can win this thing um I think I had three birdies in a row before that um and then to hit that shot in there, well, the two shots, the drive and, and the second shot, uh, were two of the best all week, and um, yeah, for that to go in, I think was, that, that was it for me.
0: Cam Smith there, after winning the Open Championship, now, Carl, I'm going to bring your attention to something, and I'm going to enlighten you on something. I told you in this studio, when I heard Brooks Cupcut in his presser, right before the U.S. Open, I told you that this man was leaving for live. I just felt it in his answers, his body language, his eye contact. And I'm going to tell you something else right now. Cam Smith is leaving for live. And my guess is Cam Smith will be on the live tour within the next seven days. And let me tell you why I think that. His response to this question. Then I want to get your thoughts, Carl
4: trying to bring this up in these circumstances but your name continues to be mentioned it's been mentioned to, to me this week about uh, live golf um what's your position are you interested is there any truth to suggestions that you might be signing um i just won the british open and you're asking about that i think that's pretty not that good i appreciate that but it's, the question is still there are you interested at all is there any truth in that uh i don't know mate the, my team around me worries about all that stuff i'm here to win golf tournaments Okay, thanks. Certainly not a denial, is it, Mr. Blaylock?
1: No, but at the same time, I mean, that's not exactly the best. That's something you ask, like, a few days after you win, not, not right as you win. I mean, I'm not, I'm not exactly a big fan of that question as the journalist in me, but I, 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 could see, I could see where it can be taken that way. I could see where it can be taken oh, that way. So.
0: He's gone, he's gone. We'll Uh, see. We'll see. I'm telling you, he is joining his friend Brooks. He's joining his friend Bryson. And he's joining his friend Phil. It's happening within the next seven days. You heard it first from your friend Ross Christ. Okay, when we come back, we're going to hear more from Carl because the Athens County Game of the Week schedule is out, and Carl is all over the big matchups.
1: We've all got it. You know, that one crazy thing you've always wanted to do, that bucket list goal. Then a cancer diagnosis and that one thing still goes according to plan. No, I'm getting my first tattoo right now. <laughs> While my three beautiful daughters laugh hysterically at me. 58 years old, four years of cancer-free checkups at Ohio Health. Go ahead and get a picture, girls. You keep making plans.
2: Visit ohiohealth.com slash keepmakingplans.
1: Stay informed about the stock market from Goldberry Wealth Strategies. Weekdays at 5.30 on 970 and 97.1 FM, WATH. The report follows the news. Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member SIPC. Goldberry Wealth Strategies is not a and is independent oh, no. of
0: now, for more of the sports fan on 970 WATH.
2: Uh,
0: I like the last intro a bit better. Yeah, oh, the,
1: the bell, the bell fits. Whatever. The bell fits. I mean, Whatever they, they got is. they got the bell for the school, which uh, we're talking about high school football here. Go. All we right, we got the schedule.
0: Well, let, I'll tell you what. I mean. Let's just let you jump right into it, Corcos. I know this really excites you, and you're going to be all over this in the fall. So let's hear it. Well,
1: yes, I, I I put this together. I mean, I've been looking at the games for the last few weeks, but this is the uh, week week one. We're going to Tremble Nelsonville York at the Trimble Tomcats. That's always a good game. Last year, that game finished seven to six. Wow. Tremble took the victory, so that'll be a good one. Week two, we're going to go on a little bit of a hike. Well. Obviously, we're going to keep everyone back here from going on a hike, but uh, me and I, I think Cade Williamson's going Williamson to I'm going to draft Cade Williamson into call that game with me. We're going up to Newark to watch Nelsonville York take on the defending state runner-up in Division Seven, the Newark Catholic Green Wave. They had a little bit of coaching drama actually this year uh, before the season. Their coach they decided they were going to. Uh, their their coach decided they were he was gonna leave. They hired somebody from California. Somehow he fell through or something like that. Something didn't something happened with it to where he didn't want to be coach anymore and they brought their old coach back. So that, that's interesting. Week three we're going to MacArthur. Tremble travels to Vinton County. We'll have the game. Week four, we'll have Trimble again. Fairland.
0: Trimble's getting a lot of love out of you, Carl.
1: Oh, in the beginning of the season. In the beginning of the season. We got it, we got it actually pretty balanced. We okay. got Nelsonville York on there uh, four times. Trimble's on there four times. Alexander's on there three. We we got it, we got it pretty balanced. And Fed Hawk gets a game as well. Um, week Fairland's pretty good. They they went pretty far last year in division six down out of Proctorville, down by Huntington down there. So they, they should look pretty good this year. Week 5, we're going to Wellston as Alexander travels to Wellston. Week 6, we're going to Eastern at Federal Hocking or Megs at Nelsonville, York. More than likely, though, we'll be going to Eastern at Federal Hocking. Week 7, Nelsonville, York travels to Wellston. We'll have that game. Alexander at Nelsonville, York, week 8. Week 9, this game's normally pretty important for the TVC Hawking Crown. Waterford at Tremble, so we'll have that week 9. Then week 10, Megs at Alexander will be the game we have. It's all over on WXTQ, Power 105. Over here, we'll have Cedric Granger and Matt Frazee calling every single Athens game here on WATH. I mean, that'll be... Obviously, they'll do a great job with that. They got some good matchups this year. Obviously, Alexa- up against Alexander, that's normally a decent game. Uh, they got, obviously, Nelsonville-York, the last game of the season. And I'm trying to, trying to remember who else they got. But, I mean, they have, they have a lot of really, really good um, schedule normally. They got Philo. They play Philo. And Galley Academy, both, they start on the road with both of those teams. And then, obviously, all the TVC Ohio schools. So it'll be an interesting season, I'm sure, for both. I, I for one, cannot wait to get the uh, football season started, especially now that we have the schedule. We got everything up and roaring to go.
0: Only a few weeks away from high school football kickoff, the Athens County Game of the Week will be called by yours truly, Carl Blaylock, and the rest of company, Cedric Granger, They're putting the right men on the job for the call. Listen to your team here on Power 105 and 97.1 WATH. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll chat a little bit about the Home Run Derby, and Carl and I will start off the week by making you rich. That's right. It's the Surefire Hot Picks of the evening.
1: From Grusel Realty and Building. It's Larry Conrath, the only Larry Conrath in real estate. Larry Conrath, he sells houses. Larry Conrath, he sells houses. Larry Conrath, he sells houses, farms, and acreage, too. For the only Larry
2: Conrath in real estate, please call 5913015. What was that number? It's 5913015. Call the
1: only Larry Conrad in real estate.
2: Five nine one three zero oh, one five. Every two minutes, a woman in the U.S. is diagnosed with breast cancer, and in that split second, her life changes forever. The toll of breast cancer is great. The need to support those who are battling the disease today is even greater. We're fighting alongside patients because we know one moment can change a lifetime. United by hope. We can end breast cancer. Join our fight. Save lives.
1: From concrete to roofing to siding and windows, J&K Contracting has you covered from the ground up. Whether it's a room addition, a complete home build, or your commercial projects,
0: let the professionals at J&K be of service from groundbreaking to completion. And don't forget they accept all major credit cards. They even have free seamless gutters with
3: every complete roof installation. Don't hesitate to call J&K Contracting at
0: 740-698-3521 for a free estimate. You're listening to The Sports Fan on 970 WATH. Now, this is more like it.
1: A... Motorhead to bring us back into The Sports Fan presented by JNK Contracting. Ross and Carl here with you. And how about this, Ross? The MLB's just announced that. Uh, They will never have a repeat of 2002, not again. 2002 in Miller Park, they ran out of pitchers at the All-Star game. Game ended at a tie after 11 innings. Not anymore. This year, if the All-Star game is tied after nine innings, a tiebreaker will be settled by a home run derby. Each manager will select three players who have agreed to participate. Batters each get three swings, and the team with the most home runs will win the All-Star game. It's 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 like it's kind of like uh, penalties in soccer a love little it. bit.
0: Love it. Absolutely love it. And Carl reminded me of how old I am during our commercial break here. And I got a couple of years on Carl. We're not going to delve into the mathematics of it. But I said, you know, how bad was that All-Star game a few years back when it was tied at the end of the game? And Carl let me go, let me know, oh, yeah, that was two decades ago, wasn't it? Yeah, that
1: it? was 2002. I wasn't even born for that, Ross. <laughs>
0: It's not very nice. Oh, it's not it... very nice, Carl. <laughs> I am a young, spry, thirty-five-year-old, a young, spry one. But I do remember that, and I do remember that was an absolute travesty because you should never have a sporting competition that's not supposed to end in a tie, end in a tie. So it's a good thing that they have this. This will get the fans all juiced up. I can't wait if it happens. Oh yeah,
1: and I mean, some people, some people are suggesting. Uh, you know, obviously, I'm on Twitter. The the tweet right underneath the one I just read, uh, explaining it. Uh, they said, you know, do it before. Do it before the All-Star game. Like, you know, you throw out the first pitch, and then you do it before the All-Star game, so it's guaranteed to happen. And then if you get to the ninth inning, you know who's going to win at the end. You know, if if it's close and tied at the end, you know, you know who has the tie break, then you can decide, all right, are we just going to play for the win, or are we just going to play for the tie? And I'm, I'm trying to remember... I'm trying to remember. The NL hasn't won for a while, have they? The American League's dominated the All-Star Game. I do believe. I'm going to check to make sure that. But, I mean, it's weird how they are so good in the All-Star Game.
0: How cool is it that Clayton Kershaw is going to get the start in his hometown stadium? I absolutely love that. Um, Oh, yes. Coming out. Playing at Dodger Stadium out there in Los Angeles. He'll be getting to throw out the first pitch for his team as the starter. So... All-Star Game Home Run Derby is tonight. I guess now we can maybe lead into our favorite segment here, our Surefire Hot Picks of the evening. And, Carl, remind the people how much of a sensei I am because I astonish myself at how good I am at this.
1: Well, I was gone, obviously, Thursday and Friday, and while I was gone, Ross went three for three. He picked... uh, braves over nationals on thursday that happened and then on friday he went he double dipped since he was the only person in the studio he thought that the blue jays were going to go money line and the game was going to go over eight runs both those things happened he got two wins on one day so yeah he's looking he's at 12 and 6 right now we're not we're not gonna We're not going to talk about Ross's age. We're not going to talk about (laughs) my record on the surefire hot picks because I'm not sure if it's too hot for me. But uh, I'll I'll start out out with my pick. I'm going to go with a three-peat at the Home Run Derby. If you look at the odds for the Home Run Derby, let's see who you got here. You've got Alonzo's the favorite at plus uh, 190. That means if you pay $100, you get $190 back. I say bet that. I think that's a pretty good bet to go get $190. Schwarber's at plus 330. Soto's at plus 600. Rodriguez is at plus 700. Acuna plus 750. Seeger at plus 1,000. Jose Ramirez at plus 18,000, or 1,800, 1,800, excuse me. If you want to go for a long shot, I'd go with J-Rom. And Albert Pujols bringing up the rear at plus 2,400. But I'm going with the polar bear. He's going to three-peat it. Pete Alonzo wins the home run derby.
0: There you have it. Pete Alonzo three-peats tonight out in sunny California. That's Carl's pick to get things started for our Surefire Hot Picks of the evening. I'm going to turn our attention now to international soccer because it's the Knapp women's final. It's USA versus Canada. These two teams generally go back and forth when it comes to women's soccer at the international level. The last time Canada got the best of the U.S., um, they won 1-0, but the, it's been all U.S. the four matches before that. So I'm going to say Sophia Harata comes out tonight and gets her revenge for the state's. And the United States gets it done. You can watch this one. The whistle will blow at 10 o'clock Eastern time. United States versus the pesky northern neighbors. Those maple syrup drinking, ice hockey loving, bad at women's soccer Canadians. No, I, I, I mean no disrespect to Canada, but I'm just saying tonight I'm going behind the ladies of the United States, and they're going to get it done. So there you have it, Carl. Carl, before we get out of here, I wanted to get your thoughts on what Lane Kiffin thought of today. And I'll, I'll explain it to you if you haven't seen it or heard it or read it. But Lane Kiffin thought that schools should have a salary cap for NIL deals. For, for His idea is schools basically hire what is called a general manager. And the general manager gets to take all the NIL money that comes in from sponsors and dish it out to the players accordingly. So, you know, Nike comes in and says, I want to throw $50 million at the you know, Ole Miss football team for NIL deals. This person's full-time job is to divvied up between the quarterback, the star wide receiver, the Instagram uh, star kicker, or something like that. What do you think of that one? Will that work?
1: I I don't like the idea specifically. I, I can see where we'll go to that eventually. Like. I'm not completely against it. I think someday we'll probably have to go to a system like that, because otherwise it's just going to be, you know, Ohio State, Alabama, A&M, Notre Dame, and Texas every single year. But, well, I I, I pose this question, and I, I know I know it's obviously you're just the messenger, but I pose this question to uh, kind of go back at that is. What, what about the, you know, is there going to be a difference between the cap for bigger schools and the cap for, like, say, Mac schools?
0: I think it would come down to conferences, I would think. I would think, right? Yeah. I, I, because the you know, Ohio University wouldn't be able to compete with the USC, would they? No. So, yeah, who knows how this one will play out, but it's definitely safe to say in the coming years with this whole NIL thing, they're figuring out as they go and they're trying to figure out ways to make it fair for the players. And this is the first time that college sports has really started to really think about the players. Because for so long, it seems like the players have not got the right side of the coin of college sports.
1: I, I, wouldn't, even, I wouldn't even say that they're just now starting to think about the players. It, 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 if it was up to the NCAA, we wouldn't have the NIL. The government really forced their hand with that. Congress really forced their hand by passing a few legislations and stuff. But I, I, I feel like we're going to go to the salary cap at some point, but I think when we do, because the problem is you want it to still be like the old college football we all grew up watching. And the way, it, it seems like we're getting less and less like that every single day. And so it, it, it's rough to see that. I, I think eventually, yes, but not at the moment. I, I, I want to wait as long as we can before we can get salary caps in college football. Because at that point, it, it'd basically just be a developmental re- league for the NFL.
0: Well, it's been an awesome show, jam-packed show. We really fit it in today. We're going to be... Wait, we
1: almost forgot. I don't think we've done the trivia question yet. Oh, I my mean,
0: goodness. I'm it's sorry. Rick Nash. I know that. The, the it's Rick Nash. the answer to tonight's trivia question, the most career points in a Blue Jackets uniform is Mr. Rick Nash, who I believe is with the team in an executive role. That's all we have today for the sports fan. Tune in tonight for the home run derby. Ross and Carl will be back with you tomorrow at 6 o'clock.